Welcome to Footy Time. My name is Johnny Raff. How are you all doing? We have Daniel Andrews back this week. We're going to go through our finals preview. Uh, how are you going, Dan? <laughs> Good, thanks, Johnny. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun to talk about finals and uh, lots of different uh, things may or may not happen in this first week and we'll delve right into it to see uh yeah, where we're at and uh, what we're kind of expecting, but also maybe some of the surprises that might be on offer. Yep, yep, can't wait. There's a lot to get stuck into, some really intriguing matchups, and we'll also go through our footy time All-Australian team in a bit more detail a bit later on. But um, we'll kick things off, I think, Dan. Uh, the first elimination final, which is actually the second elimination final, I believe, is on Thursday night, and that is the Brisbane Lions... And the Richmond Tigers. Um, you have been assigned the lines for this, Dan. Uh, what are, what do they need to do in this one? Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, we're going to do this. Uh, each of us has got one of the teams, and we're basic. The premise is: what does each team need to do to win? Obviously, taking into the other team into account a little bit, but really looking at it from each team's perspective. So. Uh, we'll get through all the games that way, which yep. will be good. And uh don't know about you, Johnny, but it seems like this Thursday game is coming on pretty quickly, even yeah. though we've had the had the weekend off. I didn't mind it, actually. How did you find it? I also didn't mind it. I think it was all it was all in your attitude, I think. Um, the way I saw it was a, a nice week off to refresh and recharge the batteries before getting stuck into another, I guess, month of footy <laughs> again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, this is pretty high-frequency time of year, like... I, whether it's great for the players or not is probably another thing mm. in terms of being able to perform at their peak. I think the model's there now that, you know, teams, if they're good enough, they should be able to deal with having the extra weeks off. You know, Melbourne did like the full-on uh, match sim in the week off and all these sorts yep. of things. So I think there is a way to do it properly. So really, I think there shouldn't really be any excuses. You just got to work within the parameters you're given. Yeah, yeah. No, look, there's going to be some debates about it, and it was obviously a little bit different last year with the uh, the week off coming, I guess, before the grand final. But I think this is probably about right for the moment. Uh, and yeah, hopefully it freshens all these teams up so we can get the best footy possible. Yeah, exactly. It's good to give teams a chance to get a couple of guys back or you know, up to a slightly better fitness level. So anyway, let's jump into this first game. I thought I'd just cover off on that because, yeah, I don't think there's been quite as much noise this time about the there being the week off maybe no. as there has in the past. No. Anyway, so we got Brisbane and Richmond, obviously a Brisbane home game. So what did Brisbane have to do? So to me, they have to score and score relatively heavily because I don't think they're going to stop Richmond kicking a score in this game. Richmond's been one of the highest scoring teams in the second half of the year. And although it's a final, I'm still thinking Brisbane's going to have to score pretty heavily to win this one. So how are they going to make this happen? Well, I think they need to start by winning the center clearance battle and giving the tall forwards uh, some one-on-one looks to make the most of that dominance. Richmond has been a little bit leaky in the back line, even in the second half of the year where they have been better. So uh, a bit of fast ball movement to put uh, that Richmond defense under a bit of pressure will go a long way. And uh, the third point is really quite a obvious one, but just be ruthless. Brisbane have had so many chances over the last few years in finals. And I think 
sometimes they've been accused of not being ruthless enough. They're at their home ground where they almost never lose. They're up against a team that hasn't finished in the top four. So be ruthless and do whatever you have to do to win. Pretty simple. Yep, it is pretty simple. And they would be reeling after missing out on top four. Uh, They've got to make a statement in this one. Definitely don't want to be losing two games at the Gabba in a row. So, yeah, I think they should fancy their chances. But I am going to see what the Richmond side of things looks like. So... I think there's a for Richmond. There's it. It's pretty simple actually. They need some certain players to fire on this night. Uh, it seems like Dustin Martin's going to be back, so it's questionable how much they'll get out of him. But you know, it's always better to have him than not. But I'm definitely looking at one person in particular, and that's Shy Bolton. I think he has to have a big night for Richmond to have a chance. Uh, there's not really any designated taggers, I guess, for. Brisbane week in week out. What do you, what do you think on that, Dan? Like I don't see someone going to the best midfielder of the opposition. No, often. it doesn't really happen often. So yeah, I wouldn't be expecting them to do it. Like in the past, you might get a. I guess you get a Jared Lyons sometimes running with them. You get Mitch Robinson occasionally. It's, it's they chop and change a little bit, but uh, yeah, he's definitely one that they're going to from Brisbane's point of view. They're going to have to keep quiet, but they need to just get it to guys like that as much as possible. They need to. Uh, Outwork him in the midfield, which I guess has been a little bit questionable with Richmond this year. Uh, if it's not Dion Prestia doing the hard running, sometimes they can lose their way a bit when they go behind in a game. But if they match him in the work right there and get enough entries for guys like Tom Lynch and Noah Cumberland, I think it'll go a long way to Richmond winning. So, yeah... It, as you said, they can be a little bit leaky down back, and they've been a bit unsettled down back. But yeah, if they're if they're matching it in the middle, uh, I think they're in every chance. Yeah, it should be an interesting game. I think yeah, both defenses haven't been great in terms of holding a team to a reasonable score. So it may just come. Well, it is a final, so you would expect them to be a little better on the defensive stakes, but it may just uh, come to which team is actually able to be, uh, you know, better with ball in hand. And Brisbane's usually pretty good up at the Gabba, and Richmond, that's they're one of the best teams through their ball movement. So Mm. it should be an interesting game. How are you actually expecting this one to play out? I know we sort of went through our teams there, but who who would you be favouring? Yeah, I think it'll be a, a real tough slog, this one. Uh, I don't think it'll be a blowout either way. And as you said, finals atmosphere, there's going to be a lot less space. There'll be a lot more closing down uh, defensively. But I think you have to give Brisbane the edge at home. I just, yeah, it, there's a lot to play for here for the Lions. Yeah, it's tricky. I think a lot of things really do point to Richmond. Brisbane's got some important important outs. And, uh, mm. yeah, it's just how how many times can they go to the well and not actually get the job done and you still sort of believe in them that they can actually do it? I know it's at their home ground but and Richmond aren't anywhere near what they used to be, but it's a tough ask against, you know, a team that's been very good in the second half of the year. And does the last game they played in round 20... Does that stick in the head at all, you reckon? Or is that just a home and away season game that's done, uh, finals a different ballgame? Well, 
I would normally say, yeah, finals are a different ball game, but when you're up by like 40 points and you find a way to lose a game, <laughs> it's hard not to think about that, I would say, as from a player's point of view. So you'd think Richmond may have them have it over them a little on the mental stakes as well. So if I had to put some money on it, I'd probably be backing Richmond, but not with a whole lot of confidence, but really more on Brisbane's frailties than anything. And yeah, Richmond just seems slightly more bankable, but... Again, I'm not expecting a blowout by any means. Should be an interesting game. Yeah, I, I think really just a home ground advantage is what's slightly leading me Brisbane's way. But there's every chance that Richmond could cause the upset. There's yeah, there's a lot going for them here. Would you say this game is probably the, one of the most likely games to have the upset? I think who's actually the favorite in the odds has richmond tipped over uh that is a very very good question let me have a quick look because yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know it was almost even money when it started yeah yeah so richmond are into a dollar 75 oh, okay now, brisbane yeah. 210 so brisbane winning would actually be the upset apparently <laughs> wow that, geez, that is interesting uh, but yeah I, that's a, that's a 50 50 one right i think it's 50 really. uh but yeah yeah that's a literal coin flip game, I think. Interesting, though. Like, who would be more dangerous, though, for the second-week opponent here? So the winner of this game will play the loser of... Uh, who will of it Collingwood be? Jung? Of uh, uh, Collingwood... No, hang no. on. It's the other way around. No, of uh, Melbourne-Sydney. Melbourne-Sydney loser will play the winner of this game. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Ooh, who would be the tougher opponent? So that would obviously, if it's Melbourne, it'll be at the MCG, Jeez. and if it's Sydney, it'll be at the SCG. So, yeah, obviously, I'm looking at this from a Melbourne perspective. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I would prefer not to play Richmond at the MCG. Uh, I think that's yeah. that's a tough gig. Um, yeah, yeah. If it's Brisbane again, well, yeah, so be it. And I've got their number for the moment. I don't usually yeah. like to count the chickens there, but uh, yeah, I think. Brisbane seemed to have a pretty good record against Sydney from memory, although I don't have the numbers to back that up. So I think they might prefer the Brisbane matchup as well. But yeah, it's interesting. it'll be interesting to see what happens because I suppose people do think, you know, Richmond could potentially cause some damage and they're going to win their first final, obviously, to make any uh, chance of that happening. Yes, and uh, Chris Fagan, one win and five losses in finals. It's, yeah, it's it's not a good record. Not a good record. But just before we move on, yeah. maybe, do, is there anything you can point to with Brisbane this year that leads you to believe that it would actually be different this time, other than the fact that, you know, they're not playing a top four team? What might actually be different for Brisbane this time in terms of actually being able to win one of these finals? Mm. Not really. <laughs> Long <and> short <laughs> answer, not really, because they were very good last year. They had yeah. some good contributors there. They, uh, yeah. Uh, Lockie Neal was maybe not as good as he was in his Brownlow year, but uh, they still made top four. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Like, where has Brisbane improved this year? Well, yeah, not really anywhere. That's not a, it's not an indictment on them, but it's also uh, where's the yeah where's the game changing element going to come from with Brisbane? Yeah, and Charlie Cameron's had another good season. Uh, what's the difference? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess one saving grace for Brisbane, perhaps, is the fact that that one finals victory did actually come against Richmond. <laughs> That's true. So that is true. That, 
that is one thing. Uh, and, you know, the Tigers can be a little bit undisciplined at times. So if Brisbane can actually take it to them in the first quarter, then Richmond might actually be their own worst enemy in some ways. And we've seen them kind of implode in some games this year. So you wouldn't necessarily expect that to happen in a final, but they're not, they're definitely not the perfect team, Richmond either. No. So I think uh, if Brisbane can just hang in there long enough, they might actually be able to find a way to make the most of some of Richmond's frailties as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably their best shot. Just uh, see if they can grind away, hang in there as long as possible, and they might get that. You know, the tide might turn. They might get a bit of a run on, and that's yeah, probably the best chance. Which they do often do up at the gather. Yeah. They can go on like a, a run of goals. So I guess like you know, it's their home game. They got to have some confidence. So yeah, it'll be an interesting game. We've talked around it a fair bit, but uh, no. not uh, still no clear winner. No. It should be an interesting. I'm excited one. for it now. I think this will be a good one. This should be a good one. We will move on to the next segment, which is the Footy Time All Australian Team. So, we uh, announced this last week, so we could uh, get ahead of the major one, obviously. But we're just going to quickly run through this line by line and have a little bit of this discussion in between. So, starting from the back line, uh, I had James Sicily. I thought back to his rebounding best, third in the competition for intercepts, fullback Stephen May. First half of the season, I thought he was tremendous. Maybe tailed off a little bit, but still a, such a solid defender overall. And in the other back pocket, I had Braden Maynard. Uh, I'm a big rap for the season that this guy's had. They've got a great back six down there at Collingwood, but he's been one of the stars, I reckon. Plays the smalls, plays the mediums, intercepts, rebounds hard. Yeah, absolute star. Um, any thoughts on our back line, Dan? Yeah, I was just wondering whether you had any thoughts on why Sicily may not have actually made the uh, formal Australian team. Is there anything you could point to, or was that a surprise to you that he didn't make it? Yeah, it was a surprise. It was. I thought he was one of the most unlucky. Um, yeah, I literally can't think of anything here. I mean, I know that they went with Tom Stewart, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought Sicily had a fantastic season. This sort of gives them a nice mix here because, uh, yeah, fantastic rebounder. Yeah. yeah so maybe, like, the way they seem to talk about the Australian team when they talk about how they do the selection, it almost seems like the current season is maybe only, like, three quarters or four-fifths of actually what's counting, and they almost use the previous season as that other percentage. Yeah. So the, the fact that Tom Stewart was so good the previous year... You know what I mean? Maybe some of that actually carried over. Yeah, it's almost like Tom Stewart is the the heavyweight champion and he needs to be beaten to lose his belt kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just strange. They, t- they, often, they often talk about how, you know, it's the body of work. Normally they're talking about this for someone who's just like burst under the scene why they might not get it in that first year where they've been really, you know, uh, up in lights. But uh, maybe it works for this as well where... You know, Sicily wasn't there last year, so maybe there's a little bit of a hangover effect of that, and he'd be more likely to get it next year. Yeah, yeah. The body of work argument definitely uh, rings true with the Rising Star nominations, I find. Uh, if they've had a consistent three weeks and they finally get the nod, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It, yeah, I think he was a bit stiff. But we move on to the halfback line. So I've got Angus Brayshaw in. Uh, wasn't sure what to make of Gus heading to a back flank this year after such a good season on the wing, but I thought he killed it. Reads it really well in flight, wins 50-50 contests, 
And he kept Melbourne in a lot of games this year, I thought. Um, Centre-half back, got Sam Taylor. You know, he's a true defender's defender. He's equal second in intercepts, second for spoils, ninth in contested marks. Seems like a guy who really loves defending and beating his opponent. And on the half-back flank, Jack Sinclair, uh, a big part of St Kilda's early success, great link man, averaged 22 effective disposals and 500 metres gained per game. Very solid. It seemed like a lot of people were overlooking Brayshaw on the half-back line, which did seem a little strange if he was very high up in, you know, marks and mm. those sorts of things and just his influence on the game. I guess one thing you could maybe point to is just the fact that he played the last, what, four or five rounds in the midfield. That's true. Might Might this have actually cost him a chance to hold that half-back position down? It's possible. It is possible. I mean, if Tom Stewart's four games away from the game cost him a spot in my team, then that is absolutely possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a tough spot, the halfback. There's always so many, you know, good halfbacks. And, like, if he was in a group of, you know, three or four, the fact that he wasn't there the last month, (laughs) probably not going to bode too well for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. And there might be a slight bit of bias for this one, but I thought he was fantastic. And... Uh, I would have named him halfback. I think like in terms of impact on the game and someone you'd actually want to be there to actually hold up a back line as well, he'd be in there for me. So I don't know. I guess people maybe just have this notion that, you know, the halfbacks have to be completely on the attacking side of things. And yeah, that's kind of the stereotypical halfback. They got Saad in there and that sort of thing. So maybe that's still the notion they're going with. Yeah, I think that's likely the one that catches the eye. But uh, we move on to the center line. So on the wing, I've got Andrew Brayshaw, uh, the complete midfielder, AFLPA MVP, and a lock for this side, I thought. Uh, Took Miller in the center. What more can you say? We all love the way Took goes about his footy. And on the wing, I had Sam Walsh. Uh, he's got running capacity like very few others. And just the number of contests he gets to is yeah, really incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So... Good to see that you've gone with some guys who did actually play some time on the wing. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I think Walsh has really made that position his own. So definitely worthy. And he he did make the All-Australian team as well, didn't he, from memory? Uh, Well, he did not. They went with Callum Mills on the wing. Ah, that's right. Yeah, so I'm mistaken there. So, yeah, yeah, solid body of work. I thought he had definitely had a season that was worthy of, of getting a Guernsey, but... Yeah, and as you said, it. I kind of do like to choose the team as if it is playing someone. So yeah, exactly. um, you know, we don't want five <laughs> inside midfielders in the midfield. But uh, yeah, that's how that's how that one went, I guess. So half forward line, pretty easy. You could probably guess it if I asked you, Dan. <laughs> that's Shy Bolton <laughs> on one flank, probably the most exciting player in the game to watch right now. Jeremy Cameron's in half forward, fifty nine goals, been a nightmare matchup. And the other half-forward flank, Christian Petrarca, the master of the score involvement, as you say, and <laughs> another consistent season for track. Yeah, I feel like the forward line almost picks itself, really. I guess Petrarca maybe a slightly uh, contentious choice. Yeah. I don't know why. Just because maybe he hasn't, like, doesn't play that much in the forward line, but I think he plays enough in the forward line to justify yeah. 
I think the position. And you get the, the, the rotation, right? Yeah, absolutely. You get the rotation. You get the rotation there anyway. Yeah, and so you, I'm happy with that. You know, you could have Bolton down there one minute and Petrarca down there the next. Yeah, yeah. A lot you can do with this team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we move to the full forward line. We got Tyson Stengel in the forward pocket. He's almost reinvented Geelong's forward line. Forty-six goals, elite category for ground ball gets. What a story! Charlie Kerner full forward. You know, needs no commentary, common medalist, 64 goals. And Tom Hawkins in the other forward pocket, 59 goals, 26 assists. He's really an elite field kick now. He just has found these ways to really improve his all-round game. Yeah. How much longer do you think Tom Hawkins can keep playing at this level? Like He's definitely getting on in years now, but there's not really any signs that he's losing any of his touch or no. you know mobility or anything. Well... I think he's at least got another year of this level in him. It might be one of those things where overnight he does slow down a bit, but he doesn't really need to. He doesn't really need to do too much, I guess, running or anything. He's still probably the strongest power forward in the game. You could you could make an argument that he could play probably another three seasons at this level, but. Yeah, well, he, he never seems to get injured. He just seems in great condition. So, yeah, just keep it keep it rolling out. Geelong got something in the water down there, maybe with all these over 30-year-olds. They've worked out yep. the secret formula. Yep, yep, <laughs> there might be something there. Um, on the interchange bench. So, this one's a little contentious. I didn't see him in too many other teams. But Hugh McCluggage, I thought he had another ripping season. And... Again, nice to have a true wingman in the side, and he's had another consistent season, averaging over four inside fifties a game, and almost a goal each game as well. Paddy Cripps thought his influence was still good in the second part of the year, but not quite what it was in the first half. I thought uh, Mark Lutzars, you know, every good team needs a spare parts man, and he's been a tagger, ruckman, defender, you know, very handy to have. And Isaac Heaney, another great season, forty-six goals, averages ten score involvements a game. Uh, yeah, nightmare matchup. You never know if he's playing midfield or forward. Yeah, absolutely. So Blitzabs is a really interesting player. Compared to, you know, his first few years, I think he's improved so much, not just this year, but in the last few years. He's just he's probably the most versatile player in the AFL, you'd have to I say, think with is. his height and running capacity. Yeah, I'd, I'd say he is. I'd say he is. And yeah, really good to have him in this team, the way the Cats are playing with this, I guess, high pressure, and he's actually leading the way in their um, in their high pressure act players. So, yeah, I guess he was almost a little bit wasted in the way that they were playing last year. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was shoehorned into defence for quite a while, sort of a bit of a stopgap measure. But yeah, they just seem to be moving him where they think they can get the most value out of him at the moment, and. It's paying dividends, that's for sure. The best part with someone like Mark Blitzovs is, I think it was the last Carlton game, he was tagging Paddy Cripps. And it kind of, if you're Michael Voss, you get this conundrum. It's like, okay, well, what do we do? Do we take Cripps down forward? No, we can't because Blitzovs is also a good defender. So, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a nightmare. That way. Nightmare if you see him <laughs> uh, matching up, yeah. Yeah, very valuable. As like a sort of pseudo-tagger for when you actually do want to pay a bit more attention to someone, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that is the team. The captain, I actually made Took Miller. I thought, I just thought it was strange how no one actually 
even considered him to captain the actual Australian team. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got a little bit lost in translation. Do we get the ruck, Clyde? Sorry, we have missed the full. <laughs> We have missed the ruck. <laughs> okay, so yeah, followers, uh, Max Gorn in the ruck, Clayton Oliver, Ruck Rover, Lockie Neal, Rover. Yeah, yeah. Again, pretty much picks itself. Yep. Pretty clear choices there. Picks itself. Did do you reckon Gorn had much competition? Because uh, it probably wasn't one of his most dominant seasons. It, it wasn't, but yeah, I, d- I don't think anyone else made a great <laughs> case. You could say Jared Witts was a little bit stiff. I do think he had a good season, but uh, yeah, maybe not quite as prolific. Um Sean Darcy wasn't too bad, but nah, I don't think any of these really challenged. I think it was similar yeah. to sort of Stephen May, really. I, I don't think there was anyone apart from maybe Tom Barris who could have challenged for the full back spot. So yeah, yeah, it happens. So sort of yeah, yeah. Obviously, some really standout games, but probably wasn't quite at the level of some of his other Australian seasons. But still, yeah, the top. Yeah, and he spent <laughs> a little bit of time out injured as well. So yeah, that. That didn't help, but uh, yeah. So, yeah, we had Took Miller as the captain, and I know they don't name the coach yet, but I've made Craig McRae the coach. I mean, what he's done with the Collingwood side has been pretty remarkable. Uh, just playing fast, free-flowing footy, embracing the imperfections, uh, and yeah, playing with confidence. It seems like they actually are enjoying the way they're playing with us last year, Uh Playing that kind of slow, monotonous play, I just don't think it suited their players. No. I think, yeah, you can definitely tell that they're playing with a bit more joy and just that freedom to express themselves. And you can't be lucky that many times, right? So he's doing yeah. a lot right. And uh, he's got the players believing in themselves. And I think that's half the battle in sport, to actually believe truly that you can win from any position. And they definitely believe it at the moment. Absolutely. They've got the boy in. And, yeah. So that is the 2022 footy time All-Australian team. <laughs> we now move on Good work. to the, is this the first or the second qualifying final? Not sure, but it's the first one that's going to be played on Friday night. <laughs> and that is the Melbourne Football Club versus the Sydney Football Club. So I'll start off on this one. I've got the Swans. Uh, the Swans just really need to try and stretch Melbourne as much as possible in this game. Use the wide open spaces of the G running waves. They're one of the best sides in the comp at doing that, transitioning the ball back to front. And this is where they can possibly catch the Ds off guard with that quick ball movement off half back, especially when the opposition's high up the field. Uh, in my opinion, they will probably need at least one key, I guess, key marking option up forward, a good influence up forward. Um, you know, we know that they've got great small forwards, but the point of difference in this game is if someone can clunk a few marks. Uh, in round 12, it was Sam Reed who had five marks, two of them inside 50, and he ended up with three goals that was pivotal in netting the win. Will this happen again? Well, they didn't have Stephen May last time, so it could be a little bit different. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Dan, I think the Heenies, the Papleys, the Gouldens, like we know what they're all about, and I'm... You know, I'm conceding that those guys will kick goals, but it's what they can get out of their key posts. Does Buddy have one last big game against the D's left in him? Um, That's where the question is, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be really important. So let's quickly go through the Melbourne side of things and then we'll have a bit of a chat about the game in general. So what did Melbourne have to do? Uh, Well, really, the Melbourne template in finals is to overwhelm the opposition with pressure 
and combine that with the offensive and defensive running capability just to make life hell for the opposition. So I think this combines well with something they need to do against Sydney in terms of trying to put a large amount of pressure if Sydney does go into their sort of short passing mode, not like ultra short passing, but they often do try and take on sort of angled kicks, especially Mm. when they get in their front half. They're not usually that keen to just bomb it in. So the the more pressure they can put on those forward entries, the uh, better for Melbourne. And uh, I think... Another thing for Melbourne is just to accept that Sydney are going to throw some punches in this game and keep the faith and try and stick it out for a full four quarters. Yep. Sydney are not an easy opposition to play. I would probably say that they're at least as strong, if not stronger, than any of the 2021 finals opponents, and I'm including the Bulldogs in the grand final in this mix. I think Sydney are at least equal to those teams, if not better. So it's going to be a tough game, and... Uh, Melbourne definitely have the game to win it, but they're going to have to bring uh, something close to their best, I think, to uh, put a very plucky Sydney side in their place, perhaps. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, they're definitely going to have to be right on point with their pressure right from the start. And, yeah, I think they're just going to have to take their licks at times. Uh, Sydney's got guys that can score on you. There's no getting around that. No getting around that. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a tricky opponent. Would have been interesting if this game was at the SCG, that more closed in space. Hmm. If anything, you know, some people have been talking about how the wide expanses of the MCG might actually suit Sydney yeah. more than it suits Melbourne, which I can sort of see that, but I suppose Melbourne plays so irregularly at the SCG, it's kind of hard to know whether they're suited to that yeah. sort of configuration. There's just not enough sample data in recent years of, of us playing <laughs> the SCG, apart from that one in 2019, I think, that we won. Um, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how that would go, but uh, yeah, uh, not sure if uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Sydney's evolved so much over the last few years as well, so yeah, really have no idea of knowing. So I guess we'll do what we did before. We'll go for how we think the game's going to unfold. Ah, uh, sure. Um, yeah. Floor's yours, Dan. How do you think it's going to unfold? um yeah i haven't really thought a lot about it actually but uh i'm expecting a relatively even first half i think it'll be extremely high pressure and when a team does you know get some space they'll really need to make the most of it but uh yeah i think it'll be tight pretty much all the way through unless melbourne can just you know do one of their uh crazy performances where they just score like hell out of stoppage. Mm. I think it'll be one of those games where it's sort of defined by, you know, a few moments here and there. And uh, I would be expecting not more than a two-goal margin either way. I think it'll be quite close. What about you? Yeah, I'm leaning the same way. I think it's going to be tight. I can't see it being free-flowing or high-scoring. It rarely is between these two sides. I think the last... Yeah, the last two games, I reckon, are a good indication of how this game will go. Um, the one that we won last year and the one that they won this year. I think that uh, there's going to be moments of brilliance, but it's going to be hard to get time on the ball and space, I guess. Um, I th- Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a close one as well. Two-goal margin sounds fair, but yeah, who who's going to get it? It could go either way. It could go either way. Yeah. I remember in the game earlier in the year, Sydney got quite a few transition goals and they are 
quite good at, you know, generating play from halfback. But I think it is harder to do that in a final just with the amount of pressure that's on. So, you know, it does become more of a contest-based game. And City have made some real strides there with their contested work in the second half yep. of the season. So, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see how their game style stands up to the ferocious finals pressure. I'm expecting it will. But I suppose if you had to choose a game style to go with Melbourne's or Sydney's, I would probably choose Melbourne's going into a final, but not to say that Sydney can't be extremely dangerous. Yeah, I would too. I think that Melbourne's... Yeah, finals football suits the style that Melbourne plays. Uh, but, yeah, you know, there could be some moments of brilliance there. There could, If there's moments where the ball is out in the space and... Yeah, Sydney's got run a run on there. They'll, I think they'll take it. They're pretty clinical in front of goal. Um, <laughs> it's it's a really hard one to read. This one, really hard one. So, what about the fact that Melbourne's really only playing one tall one tall forward in terms of Ben Brown and the resting ruck? Do you think that might potentially be a little bit of a problem in such a big game where they're relying on? you know, getting representation down the line and just a contribution of a tall forward. If things aren't going their way, like, could this be something we're chatting about next week saying, you know, was it the right move to... I know there aren't really any other options at the moment. Mm. I guess you could, you know, rush Tom McDonald back, but will the lack of another key forward be a problem for Melbourne in this game? Or do you think the fact that Mm. it's Sydney won't necessarily, uh, you know, be too much of an issue? Yeah, that's that's a really it's a really tough one. That one. Uh, I'm not gonna say it won't be a problem because it could. It actually could be a problem. I mean, they've got some guys who have really performed well this year. They're both McCartans, uh, Rampy's still such a tough goer. Uh, that's a tough. It's it's maybe not the best backline in the comp, but it's a very tough one to play against. And I I can see that being a thing this time next week. I can see it. Uh, a game where Ben Brown gets completely swarmed and didn't get enough out of the smalls. And yeah, look, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's more like a, a Brisbane style game where we were able to hit up some long one targets, hit up some short ones. Uh, you know, Melksham playing a real instrumental part, but I can see it being something that could undo us. Yeah. One thing I did notice in that Brisbane game was they were getting much better representation down the line from Gorn and Jackson yes. in terms of uh, how likely they were to either mark or bring the ball to ground. So I think you could point to the fact that maybe they've come to the end of this heavy training block, whatever it is. They seem to be in prime condition, so it's easier. Well, Basically, they have more energy to actually put in to get to those big contests and really make an impact. So I think if they can do well enough in those down the line contests, then perhaps the uh, lack of another tall forward won't stand out as much because they can sort of win that contest and clear the area. But if we start not being able to actually at least halve those contests and give ourselves a chance on the ground, that's where the lack of another tall forward could be really problematic because not only are you sort of breaking down uh, when you're trying to go down the line, but you really have no other way of moving the ball unless you're really, you know, being very aggressive, I suppose. Yeah. And yeah, the... The the loading is actually a good point. I think last time against the Swans, we we just didn't we didn't have that forward pressure. Uh, we, we we looked like we were running out of legs, and they were a- able to transition the ball quite easily. 
I don't think that's going to be the same thing this time around. I think we're going to be able to cover the territory a lot better than last time. And I do believe that that was a reason why Gorn and Jackson were able to get to more contests. I think that we are coming into that, I guess, that optimal phase where, yeah, they, they call it running on top of the ground. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a funny phrase that one. But yeah, um, you can you can see you can see the difference if you yep. compared the Carlton game and. The Brisbane game, there was a clear difference it, in the way, in the running capacity. It's getting better every week. The, yeah, it's getting better every yeah. week. And, yeah, I, I think it will be different in that regard. What about the fact that for Melbourne, even if they lose this game, they won't necessarily, well, they won't have to go away from the MCG because the next week would be, you know, against the winner of uh, Brisbane and Richmond. And then the week after, it'll either be Geelong or Collingwood, depending on who wins that first game. Like, is there a, like... Slight chance that Melbourne will be maybe a tiny bit complacent in this game because they know that they can sort of afford to drop it, or I don't know. It's just a weird quirk that mm. <laughs> even if they drop the game, they actually aren't a hundred percent disadvantaged. Obviously, you'd prefer to win it, but it's not quite as dire as it might seem losing this game. Yeah. Wow. Excellent question. Um, yeah, I think it was a massive plus to finish where we did and make sure we got the home final and make sure we got the double chance. Uh, but I don't I don't think they'll leave anything on the table. I think it's always going to be better to go straight through to a prelim, and I think they would definitely prefer that. But, yeah, look, I, it, I think the comparison is, you know, yeah, what, what would it be like in this scenario versus a do-or-die final? Yeah, that's... Maybe it's natural. <laughs> maybe maybe you do. Maybe you subconsciously do get a little bit complacent and uh, it's not quite the same. But I don't think it should. I think I think they'll be switched on. Yeah, I think they will be as well. And it's a big advantage if for either Sydney or Melbourne who wins this. They'll more than likely play, you know, probably Collingwood in the prelim and won't have to face Geelong potentially until the grand final. So you've we've talked about this a bit last year, the fact that the winner of second and third really has the better draw in the prelim final. So it's a big advantage. Although, you know, I'm saying Melbourne doesn't necessarily have to win in terms of being able to, you know, do something in this final series. It's going to, I think it'll make it easier to be successful for either the sec- for either Sydney or Melbourne if they do win this first one. Yep. Yeah. They'd be prime in prime position to get through to the grand final at least. Yep. Absolutely. Now we come to the squiggle. A part of the show, Dan. Uh, yeah, get away. Uh, so for those of you guys who have been listening to this show for a little while, you might remember that last year we did a few different brackets in terms of uh, what we thought might happen. I think it was the head, uh, the heart, and uh, the fairy tale or the upsets. I can't even remember. There was, four, yes, there was three of them. Right. But anyway, I went... Uh, a slightly different route this time. So some of you might have heard of Squiggle. So it's basically an amalgamation of different algorithms that is using a whole bunch of different data points to predict <laughs> football results. Yeah. Uh, the top the top one actually did very well in the tipping, actually. Uh, I think they got maybe 151 for the season, something oh, around that. Gee, that's pretty good. So it was, it was good. Anyway. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> so the other thing they've got, if anyone wants to jump on and have a look, uh, they basically plot uh, 
it's like a measure of attack and defense for each team for the year and it sort of moves around depending on how you go in each game and it actually charts each team against all the previous premiers so it'll show where each premiership team was in terms of this attack and defense measurement and uh I guess it's no surprise that uh, Geelong and Melbourne are sort of clearly above the other teams uh, in terms of their position on this grid. Uh, So have a look at that because it's quite interesting. Mm. I find it interesting anyway. So the reason we're talking about Squiggle here is because we're going to go through basically a bracket of what might happen in this final series and really just a chance for us to have it talk through some of the different scenarios. But uh, essentially, we'll chart a path all the way through to the grand final. All makes sense? Yep, yep, sounds great. All right, so finals week one. Obviously, we already know the matchup, so let's get the results according to the, squid- the squiggle predictor. Yep. So it's got uh, Geelong getting over Collingwood by 20 points, uh, Melbourne edging Sydney by 15, uh, Frio getting the job done over the Bulldogs by 20, and going against the odds, apparently Brisbane is going to... Uh, beat the Tigers by 10 points. So uh, going with all the uh, home teams there, mm. Squiggle. Yeah, interesting. And it's got uh, a different, like, it's got a lot of different, um, I guess, stat sites that do their tips. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's rough, like you can, it'll give you like a percentage based on the combination of these different algorithms and everything that feeds into it. So there's a whole bunch of different ones that feed into it. So yeah, it's cool. really cool. So in this scenario, we've got uh, obviously Melbourne and Geelong going straight through to the prelims, which takes us to week two. And here we've got Collingwood taking on Fremantle and Sydney taking on the Lions. So in that Collingwood-Frio matchup, we've got a, looks like a last gasp win to Collingwood. They get over the line by four points. Wow. And Sydney relatively comfortably at the SCG apparently here, uh, 20-point win. Jeez. Yeah, that, yeah, well, that's, didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go through to the prelim finals. So it's all set up here, according to Squiggle. We've got uh, Geelong and Sydney and Melbourne and Collingwood. So that's basically the reverse of the top four matchups we have currently. So that would be both of the elimination final winners going out straight away there. Uh, So according to Squiggle, we've got Geelong... uh, Getting through to the grand final with a 15-point win over Sydney. And similarly, Melbourne finding a way to get the job done for the first time this year against Collingwood by 20 points. Jeez. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So the last piece of the puzzle here does not make for pleasant reading for Melbourne supporters. According to Squiggle, a 74- to 73-point win to Geelong. So that would be a heartbreaker. Wow. Geez, squigglers. <laughs> Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should have, should have warned you about that one, Johnny. <laughs> oh, jeez. The heart may not be able to take that. <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah, impressive. Yeah, so it's got a few different things going into it. But, yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to see how one potential, uh, you know, scenario might go. I don't know whether you ever used to do it, Johnny, but occasionally – uh, I used to have a go at sort of predicting, you know, the final series at the start and see how close you get yeah, to it at the end. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I ever got that close, but it's quite tricky. Like, I guess one upset just throws everything out the window almost. <laughs> yeah, 
no, I did used to do this a little bit actually. Uh, I think it was the 2013 season. I came the closest, but that Frio win over Geelong in the first round really uh, stuck. Oh yeah, me. that would have, that would have thrown you yep. out a bit. <laughs> but, no, no, it's fun. It is fun. So I guess if Squiggle gets it right, we'll give him a mention for the grand final episode or something. I, so I think we, <laughs> Geelong Melbourne grand final, according we'll, to Squiggle, we'll certainly do that. We'll certainly do that. I'm gonna check into that a bit more afterwards. <laughs> I reckon. Uh, so we'll move on to our next game and it is the second qualifying final to be played, which I think is at, it's Saturday at about 4.30 PM. So twilight. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. That is Geelong v Collingwood. So Dan, you'll start off with the pies. Let's do Collingwood here. So the name of the game for Collingwood in the last 12 weeks or so has been to be within three goals in the last quarter. So that's number one. Uh, just hang in tough with Geelong. Mm. Even if the ga- they can't get the game on their terms, just at least hang in there enough that they c- can have that the chance for their, you know, one wood to come to fruition where they just storm through in the last quarter. I know that seems simplistic, but it'll be they'll be doing a good job if they can just hang within sort of that three goal, 20 point uh, margin coming up into the last quarter, I think. Obviously a lot to do there, but... Really, it's been their model for the whole season, so at least the second half of the season. So that's the first thing. And uh, I think, again, uh, I wouldn't be necessarily expecting them to win clearance and contested possession, but just try and halve these measures as much as possible. Their pressure around the ball has been fantastic. Uh, So just trying to crack in as hard as they can and actually just halve a lot of these contests and uh, give yourself a chance when you get out into space to be effective, basically make it a game of my effectiveness versus your effectiveness. And obviously in finals, it's harder to be effective. So basically it's almost like a game of just trying to drag Geelong down to their level almost. I feel like if this game is played uh, in even a slightly free-flowing manner, uh, it probably favours Geelong just with their scoring power and uh, sort of the evenness all over the ground. I think Colin would just have to make this a bit of a scrap and uh, take their opportunities just to, uh, you know, transition the ball when they can and uh, use their sort of superior inside 50 effectiveness to their advantage. Yeah, yeah, well said. I think that's probably that's probably fair enough. Uh, but we'll see what the Cats need to do. Um, so, look, yeah, everyone knows that the Cats have really transformed their game style this year uh there's a lot more quick quick and free-flowing ball movement uh they they've got so much more pressure uh, uh, these guys like adkins uh Blitzarves obviously braden close uh tyson stingle there's, there's a lot more forward pressure and ability to lock the ball and then you know we know that pressure is probably one of the biggest game changers in the league really if a team is bringing more pressure they more often than not, win. So um, it's definitely something that Geelong's brought. But in order to win this game, and I think one of the things that Geelong does have going for them here is they're not completely all out attack. There is still some conservative aspects to the way they play. And usually coming out of defense is one of them. They do tend to go to the boundary, along the boundary a bit more. They don't always go back inboard unless there's a clear option. Um, and I think this build-up is going to be something that might frustrate 
Collingwood a bit. Uh, the teams that do seem to get beaten by Collingwood this year are the ones that get sucked into playing the fast game. And I just feel like Geelong can... They can slow this down a bit. They can hang on to the ball a bit longer. Uh, they can you know, slow it down when they need to. But then they can also hit them on the break as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Collingwood can go with that. But that's what Geelong's best chance is, I think. They, they've just got to be patient. If it's not all going their way, they've just got to hang in there. And uh, yeah, the knockout blow should come at some point, in my opinion. So... Yeah, it's a got to get that knockout blow in before the last well, quarter. Well, <laughs> absolutely, and as you said, you've got to knock out Collingwood when you have the chance as well. So if, if Collingwood's hanging in there, then they have as good a chance as any. But uh, yeah, I think that Geelong can definitely do make Collingwood do a bit of running without the ball, and they've also got the forwards to to cut them up a bit. Uh, yeah, and the other thing is, I don't think Chris Scott is stupid. I think that he's going to put time into some of these players that need to have time put into them. And Sydney's the only team that seems to have identified that Nick Dacos was a threat off our back. And I think that Chris Scott might do something similar. Yeah. So it sounds like using some of the Sydney model. Yeah, a little bit. Might, yeah. Might help Geelong just in terms of putting a little bit more attention into some of the players and just. That measured attack, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, it may be different on a bigger gig around, but uh, you know, I still think that uh, that's probably their best chance, and they're very well equipped for the challenge. So, how do we think this one's going to go down? Hmm. I I do think Geelong are going to win, but like <laughs> Collingwood's been under underrated almost all the way through even though they keep winning these games so it is you can't really I don't think you can really back against Geelong at this point even with the suspect finals record uh it would it would be a big surprise to me if they lost this one but if anyone could send a scare through them of course you know Collingwood are a great chance but I think with the evenness through the midfield that uh, Geelong has and just the number of threats they have up forward and you know they've st- they've got a very stingy defense as well so I don't know it seems all well set up to counter what Collingwood does I think they're as well set up as anyone really to actually deal with the way Collingwood tries to get the game on their terms and yeah I think Geelong are the goods here what about you well to start off with do you think this is the biggest game for Geelong in the last decade, barring the 2020 Grand Final? Hmm. Well, the, technically the last decade contains the Kennet Curse game, so <laughs> the Geelong-Hawthorne uh, prelim True. in 2013. True. So I, I, the fact that it's a qualifying final... It's probably I would say yeah it's the it's the biggest qualifying final in the last decade but not not game uh, standalone I still think they can recover if they lose this one but uh, yeah just to have been as dominant as they are you know top of the ladder clearly on a big win streak it's going to be extremely deflating if they can't get the job done here and just the fact that everyone's going to go to the same old narrative, what's changed with Geelong, they can't get it done in big games, et cetera, et cetera. There is a lot on the line for them here. Yeah, yeah. 
I think that if they do get over this game, then they're definitely one foot in the grand final, I think. Uh, obviously, they would be. But, um, yeah, look, I think that they will win this one. I do think it'll be close, but it is a statement game and they do have to start well. I think the theme in all of these qualifying finals that they've struggled in is they just haven't been able to play their game. They haven't been able to get it going. And uh, I do think they've got to make a bit of a statement right from the start. So, yeah, they haven't scored many goals in these finals that they've been losing. So I think we'll probably know quite early, like in some of these games that they've lost over the years, it's just hasn't really looked like they've been up for the contest. And it seems strange that this happens in such big games, but for whatever reason, they, they just almost get spooked by what the opposition throws at them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and there's going to be all eyes on this game, even from the neutral perspective. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a huge crowd at the G1. It's going to be a massive crowd. Uh, It it will be a great game, but I do give Geelong the edge, and uh, yeah, I will go through to a prelim. So if if Geelong can't get the job done here, then how hard is it from there? Obviously... They uh, then have to wrap around and then play either Melbourne or Sydney, and that Sydney final could actually be away as well. So mm. I think the we were talking about how um, you know the winner of the Melbourne Sydney has a, probably a good run to get through, but you'd probably say the reverse for the loser. Yeah, it's going to be quite difficult because you know I've been hearing a lot of Geelong supporters saying just let us avoid Melbourne playing Melbourne until the grand final yeah. at least. So I think they're, they're a bit scared of Melbourne. Yeah. And, you know, you would be. You would be after getting absolutely smashed in the yeah, prelim. Yeah, there are so. some that are scared, yeah. There are, I've heard a few. <laughs> yeah, so like I think for that reason, the winner of this is probably, you know, it's probably more important in some ways than winning the oh, Melbourne-Sydney yeah. one. So it seems slightly counterintuitive, but yeah. I think it is. There is more on the line with this one for whatever reason. So sorry, the loser of this game will play the winner of Frio and the Bulldogs. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then, and then the winner of that would have to play, play the winner of Melbourne yeah. Sydney. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I'm just I'm jumping ahead yeah. a little bit, but <laughs> it's definitely uh, it's a lot harder. It's a tough road. It's a lot harder. Yeah, yeah that's that's a tough road. So, yeah. so either Melbourne in a prelim or. Sydney away. That's that's a hard prelim. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, probably most at stake here for the Cats. But uh, but yeah, I, th- I think they will get it done. I think they will. Um, we will move on to the last final now, then, and that is the elimination final between the Dockers and the Dogs, which I think is Saturday night. So, yes, yeah. it is interesting the way the AFL has yeah. done this with having basically two Saturday afternoon slash night finals rather than actually doing like a day final. I don't mind it. I think, I don't know how much of a gap there'll be between the games, but you get that sort of pseudo, you know, twilight grand yeah. final thing where you get half of the game into a bit of daylight and half at night. What are your, what are your thoughts I on I don't mind the, the idea of a twilight final, uh, whether it's finals or if they were going to do the grand final. Yeah, so I don't mind it either. Um, I'm just thinking, when was the last time they played uh, a final in the first week on a Sunday? Yeah, it's been a while since, I think, yeah, they obviously like the Thursday slot now yeah. for good reason. You get your sort of standalone yep. slot. But yeah, it's been, I don't think they've actually played a Sunday final once they've been doing these Thursday ones. Yeah, I don't think they have either. 
I don't think they either. But yeah, look, I think this is all right. Um, what would you prefer? Would you prefer the Thursday or the Sunday? Oh, good question. Well, I think you'd probably have to take the Thursday just because if it's Sunday, you're probably only going to get a six-day break at best. <laughs> and if you win it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, I like, I like the Thursday. And I think the fact that, uh, you know, you do have the week off, it makes it a lot easier to play final on the Thursday and that kind of just sets up the rest of the finals as well. It's a good lead-in as well yeah. rather than just having everything condensed into sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah, I like yeah. it. Give it a standalone day and I think that's, kick things off with a bang. That's the way to go. Yeah, it's definitely the way to go. I don't love the Thursday games, but it's probably better than that um, situation here. So, yeah, Dockers and Dogs. Uh, I'll start us off. What do the Dockers need to do? Well, yeah, it's it's hard to it's like it's obviously this is their home game and it's up up the stadium. They should win, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's the first, I think, ten weeks. Uh, Fremantle were doing everything right. They looked organised. Uh, they were getting some good goal scoring power from their small forwards. I thought they had probably the best small forward group going around alongside maybe Brisbane. But, um, yeah, th- this last month has been a bit interesting. A little bit Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I wonder if if they went a little bit too much into their shell and started playing a bit conservative with ball movement and things like that. So, look, we know they've got a great back line uh, and they can, that's probably the cornerstone of this game. If that's, They've got to keep the dogs to a low score. But I think that the Dockers need to take a few chances in this game. They need to try and break the lines with a few good runs, get it in there quick, get it to the guys like, uh, you know, the Sonny Walters, Lockie Schultz, uh, uh, Liam Henry's, uh, uh, Fred- yeah, is it Fredericks? Yeah, it's got some great small forwards. Get it to the, onto the deck. Um, when was the last time you saw uh, Tabiner play a good game? I, I think it, he's had a real average second <laughs> half of the season. Yeah, uh, it's been a struggle. Yeah, real struggle. Guys like Lob and that, you need to, they need a bit out of those guys as well. But I think as long as they're getting it to the ground, they should get some chances. But uh, yeah, they, they've just got to back themselves in this one, the Dockers. And if it's a wet day, they need to back themselves more because that's also becoming a bit of a knock on them, their inability to play in the wet weather. And uh, I'm not sure what the forecast is, but uh, I think I heard <laughs> that it... it could possibly be raining. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, that'd be nightmare stuff for the for our supporters. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there is a shower or two forecasted. <laughs> okay, doesn't sound too doesn't bad. sound too bad. But um, yeah, it's it's a big one for the Dockers. I think now that they're there, their fans would like to see them at least get you know a finals win for a successful season. And yeah, I think that. I think they're a reasonable chance, but uh, it's yeah, they've got some good opposition here. Yeah, you don't sound overly convinced, Johnny. But <laughs> that's all right. I'll take you through the the Bulldogs. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Bulldogs finals brand is well known now, and uh, it's proven. Just ask Port Adelaide. So it's really the same model I'm proposing here. Be brutal in the contest. Compete like your life depends on it. Whether it's in the centre, whether you're just scrapping to make a contest in the forward line, throwing the body around. The dogs at their best just 
epitomize this way of playing where they're just basically uh, being with this brutality with the way they approach the ball. No better example than the second quarter in that grand final against Melbourne where it was just kamikaze mm. stuff. It, contest where it looked like players were completely out of position. They were just finding a way to Harvard and attacking the ball on the ground. It was crazy to see. And they've still got this in yes. them. There's been there's been only a few, you know, sparks of it this uh, season. Probably most of it came out <laughs> in that game against Melbourne, probably for good reason. But it's, a good uh, reminder it's still though, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it all starts in the midfield, as it always does with the Dogs. And if they can, you know, play enough of the game in their front half to protect a little bit of a shaky defense, that'll go a long way to winning. And uh, just really using their numbers wherever they are, sharing the ball around. And, uh, you know, Freo can be a little bit susceptible to this approach because sometimes they do fold back quite deep. Uh, So just trying to spot up the targets, whatever you get given by Freeman will sort of take that. But... I think the number one thing is basically just the thirst for the contest and the willingness to, you know, put your body on the line. And uh, I suppose if I was coaching the Bulldogs, I'd be putting that Port Adelaide game on repeat at training this week and just getting them that in that mindset and showing them that in a hostile environment, if they get their game going, then nothing's going to stop them. Yep, yep. Uh, it's, it's well said. That's well said. So... Yeah, how is this one going to go? Hmm. This is yeah, it's a tricky one because you know Freo did get them last time and got by a fair margin yeah, at Marvel. I, yeah, I guess both of these teams are a bit Jekyll and Hyde through the season in terms of their best and their worst. The gap is quite large. You'd expect both teams to bring a pretty good level, but we've seen over the years that that is you know. You'd expect it, but it doesn't always play out that way. So I think it'll be an interesting game. You would think Freo would actually find a way to get up for their first final at home for a fair while. And, uh, you know, the Dogs are proven finals performers. And uh, I could see a really interesting game here brewing. Uh, Probably not overly high scoring, but it'll be one of these games where, uh, you know, every goal will be very meaningful and... uh, yeah, maybe one team will sort of kick away late, but I think it'll be a pretty good contest for at least the first three quarters. What are you thinking, Johnny? Yeah, I think it will be a good contest, but I really like the dogs in this one, to be honest. I think, um, yeah, they've got the proven brand. To, uh, they've got finals experience. I do wonder how Frio will... We've seen this happen a lot when a very impressive team throughout the season that might be a bit inexperienced hits the finals they kind mm. of get a little bit of a shock. And look, I've loved the way... I, I, I'm a fan of Frio as well, but uh, I just wonder if maybe their time isn't there yet. And uh, yeah. dogs yep. might come in, rough them up a little bit. Uh, the midfield bats as deep as anyone's. And I think that's where this game will be won and lost. I think it will, it'll start in the middle. And I can see the dogs getting on top there, especially if it is slightly wet i think that's when their ground ball game will come to shine (laughs) and yeah i just wouldn't be surprised at all to see the bulldogs getting it to the semis so i told a little bit about it there but what is it about the bulldogs that you think makes them slash their brand so good in these knockout finals i just think that they're really they're very good when the game is 
I guess, uncertain. So if it's pinging around, if it's, um, you know, if, yeah, it's it's helter-skelter and there's, the ball's just, you know, on the deck. I just think the dogs are the best with their hands getting it out and chaining away from the contest. I just think that that's, that's really going to hold them in good stead. And they play fast. They get it in quick. It's just really good, uncertain, hard to defend football. And, and I'm, like you mentioned, that second quarter in the grand final, I think it's the perfect example. The, as good as Melbourne's back six was, there was, at that point, there was really just no answer for it. They were just getting it in there quickly and figuring it out later on and getting those first few goals with guys like Trelaw, Norton. Yeah, but they've got a lot of guys who are also good at round the body shots for goal as well out of nowhere. So, yeah, they're just very yeah. hard to defend at times. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what else, but um, do you have any other theories on, on this? I don't know. Something maybe a little bit more esoteric. They just don't seem to have any self-doubt yeah in these finals i think like some teams could be sort of paralyzed by the moment or maybe something you see a little bit more in the regular season but sometimes in finals too they're just you feel like they just can't do what they're trying to do or you know what they would normally be doing but it never really seems to happen to the bulldogs they always seem to hit the ground running in these games and whether that's beverage or what it is they seem to always be up for it and it's it's a great feature to have in a competition where you know in these finals you have to be up for it otherwise you've almost lost before you've begun yeah um there's always a chance that you'll get to see the best version of the bulldogs in finals yeah i guess yeah that's that's probably a good good way to put it but um yeah i think they're a good chance i think they're a good chance in this one so like is this one of these games i know it's a free home game but like does someone have to have a sort of out-of-the-box game to actually bring this back towards, you know, the Frio side of the ledger? Like, what is actually going to... I know you sort of talked about what had to happen, but can it just be, you know, one or two guys that are having, you know, sort of an out-of-the-box game? Is that enough to actually swing this back in Frio's favour? Yeah. Um, it could be. It could be. I think if, um, if Andrew Brayshaw plays a really good game, I think then... He's going to be a hard one to stop. Uh, he's just his running ability's been exceptional this year, and he runs both ways. He's he might be the best two way runner in the league right now. So if he plays a fantastic game, then that's going to put him in good stead. But also, I think that uh, I, I think it's got to come down to one of their forwards, one of their tall forwards. Yeah, if they can get a bit more out of one of those. One of those key figures down there, Lobo, Tabner. I mean, that could be the difference. Uh, it, I think that would definitely swing it back towards their way, but I just don't quite see it. Yeah. Like, people were lauding Frio's backline, especially in the first half of the season. So is there a chance that, you know, everything just clicks for the Freo backline and really can hold the dogs to a pretty low score here? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I definitely think... They've invested a lot of stock there, so... Yeah. I think their backline will get a, will get a reasonable job done. Uh, it's just a matter of, I think, whether they can score enough at the other end. I reckon mm. I can see this being a maybe a, a you know an eighty to sixty five scoreline. Yeah, yeah, but just not sure which way around. Or oh, you seem pretty sure it's going to. I, I would <laughs> I would fancy the Bulldogs just with a, maybe a little bit more firepower. I'd say, yeah, yeah. 
And midfield goals Absolutely. as well, probably. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, be an interesting one. And uh, the winner to play perhaps Collingwood or Geelong. So that would be another big matchup. No easy games in the final. No, no, they're all they're all big time games now. And uh, yeah, yeah, it should be. It should be. It's. A, I'm really looking forward to this final series. I just think the mix of teams is nice. Uh, it's not predictable. Uh, so yeah, I guess just to recap, let's go through and do our tips. I guess so. Brisbane and Richmond, Dan. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Richmond there. What about you? Uh, I'm just gonna give the edge to Brisbane. Uh, not confidently, but I'll just go with the lines. Uh, Melbourne versus Sydney. Can't tip against no. Melbourne, but yeah, going to be a very tough game. I would not be surprised if Melbourne drops this one, but uh, holding the faith with uh, Melbourne's finals form. Yeah, I think Melbourne in a close one for this one. Uh, Geelong and Collingwood? Geelong, but for another 20, 30-point comeback by Collingwood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Geelong by about three goals. Maybe they build up a bit of a lead. Maybe they build up like a seven-goal lead and Collingwood rallies a bit, but uh, they should hold them off, I reckon. And then Frio versus the Bulldogs. Yeah, Frio's not really inspiring me with much confidence. I'm going to back the dogs here. Yeah, and I'll back the dogs with the scoreline that I just said before, 80 to 65. Sounds fair. (laughs) So that brings us to the end. Uh, Thanks, for everyone, for listening. Uh, If your team is playing in the finals this week, all the best. And... Yeah, hopefully you managed to get your finals tickets as well because that did seem like quite the ordeal, didn't it, Dan? Yeah, hopefully there's not too many Freo supporters listening either because we're a bit dark on them. Yeah, look, and and (laughs) very much apologise for that because I've really enjoyed the way Freo's played this year and if they would have loved to have seen what they were like in the top four, but yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Prove us wrong. (laughs) In the meantime, thanks for jumping on, Dan. Yeah, it was good fun. Let's uh, hope for some really good finals, eh? And uh, it'd be great to get to the MCG. I haven't been able to go to the finals at the MCG for a while since I moved up to Brisbane, but back in Melbourne now and uh, keen to get there for the both the games this weekend. So when was the last final that you went to at the MCG? Um, it must have been 2014. So it would have been the 20... No, hang on. It would have been the 20... I flew down for the 20... Well, it, I've been going to the grand finals, yeah. but non-grand final final. Yep. Would have been 2014, so it's been a while. So you didn't get to go in 18? No, no, I was, uh, yeah, stuck up in Brisbane, unfortunately. Oh, time. So I actually haven't seen Melbourne play a live final since 2006. Does it kill one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be good to, it'll be good to break that yep. down. Excellent. No, we're, we're all chomping at the bit to see some finals footy in Melbourne. Um, yeah, so no, thanks for jumping on, Dan. We'll probably see each other at the game. And yeah, all the best to your team if they're in it. And we'll be back next week to go through the semifinals. Bye for now.